And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. Hey, what's going on? Part 19. That's right. It's been 19 weeks. We're only three weeks behind. <laughs> I think. I think. I think. I haven't been tracking our goals and output, but I'm pretty sure we're three weeks behind. And that said, we're going to give some pitches. We're going to talk about that today. And, uh, you know, this is something you and I have both done. And we have to, we've been on both sides of the table for. And I love this topic. Now, Matt, before we get started, I want to let you know, and you specifically know, that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Our Crowd. Do you wish you were in early on some of the best performing IPOs of 2019 and 2020? Because Our Crowd's investors were. And now yes. you can join them in what you can join them. Matt, I you can FOMO. join them with what's next. You can join them. You can get rid of your FOMO. With our crowd accredited investors, and I believe we both are, have access to invest directly, easily, and more importantly, early. Our crowd investors have benefited from our crowd companies IPOing like Beyond Meat and being acquired and purchased by companies like Intel, Nike, Microsoft, and Oracle. Go to ourcrowd.com forward slash hustle. There's a link in the show notes. They have a really cool platform. It's worth checking out. Now, you know, one of the things that a platform like our crowd does is vet investment opportunities, which every single place that writes investment checks is on some level in the business of doing. And in many cases, that begins with the pitch. And, you know, we've been kind of walking our way through uh, creating this series and how to start a tech company. And last week, we, uh, we bootstrapped it a little bit and, you know, talked about how to find free stuff, but you know what is I think better than free stuff is a big fat check from someone else. I like free money. It's not free. It's not I like free. to get more of it. Okay. More money or wait, more money, more free money or more investment money. Yes. All. Yes. <laughs> All right. So before we get into this, Matt, like, I mean, what, what, a, you know, when I think about how to pitch to investors, I think that people are usually not good at it. Um, and I think a lot of that just comes from lack of experience. I've seen some people do really well with it and some people do poorly with it. I mean, what what are your opening, what's your opening statement, sir? Um, I think, I think in a lot of ways people overcomplicate it and keeping it simple is probably the easiest, easiest thing. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. <clears throat> So, well, and, and all right, so let the games begin. Now, when it comes to a pitch, I mean, you, you've given them before. Like, what's going through your head before you give a pitch? Well, I mean, most of the time you spend a lot of time making PowerPoints, frankly, right? Like, you spend all this time trying to make a presentation and getting some forecast numbers together and, and all that kind of stuff. And 
maybe you rehearse the pitch a little bit. Um, I never really did, but at the end of the day, you got to figure out who your audience is and what they want to hear, what kind of investments they like to do and, (laughs) um, try and simplify the message and build confidence and tell them why you're the one to give all your money to, you know? Sure. Yeah. I think when I think about giving a pitch now, as opposed to maybe where I was at 10 years ago, I'm thinking like you mentioned, simple, short to the point, not long. Like what are the main, what are the main points that I want to make? And I think you are spot on with who am I talking to? Like what information is important to the potential investor? Cause that could be a lot different message and content than my, than you might find what you want to give to like a prospective client or, or your own employees. Well, and specifically if they know the industry, right? Like if I was building automotive software and talking to some random people, it'd be hard for me to talk about what different acronyms mean and this player in the industry and we have to integrate with them. And this is how we compete with so-and-so like, they wouldn't know what any of any of it means. Like they have no frame of reference, right? Um, you know, it's not like you're like, oh, I'm going to open a restaurant and we're going to compete with McDonald's and we sell burgers. Like, okay, yeah, I understand all that stuff. Okay, I get it. But replace all those words with your industry. They don't understand any of it. Nothing. Right, right. And a confused mind almost always says no. Yeah. So, you know, that's, and that's the thing. If you can't make it clear now, I think, you know, what you're describing as well brings up something that I think is, and we'll go over a couple of do's and don'ts, but, you know, I used to, Matt, I used to be a sales trainer a long time ago, basically 20, almost 20 years ago at this point, man, I'm getting old. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I used to find is that people presenting often do what is referred to as talking over the buyer's head. And that is similar to what you're saying. Like, so you're likely an industry expert, which makes it real easy to use acronyms, to use comparisons, to use language, to use verbiage that only makes sense to other industry experts. And with that, you find yourself confused in a hurry. And, you know, so some of that is like, like you mentioned, I think it is important when you're considering who you're talking to. Uh, to also consider what their background or experience is. And that's a great point. Now, I think another thing is, is, and one of the things that my book editor taught me was you got to lead with a need. And, you know, so like right off, what am I going to do to get your attention now? Because if you, you only, I think it's fair to assume that when you're pitching to investors, you're usually pitching to type A people, they have other things on their mind. And if you lull them to sleep, you're not going to get them back out of it. So you start with a joke or dance? Probably not. No. But, you know, something, you know, but what's the need? You know, what is the need? What do you, what's the problem you solve? Get right to it. And my, an example would be some people want to, give like an eight minute overview of like who they are and like, I don't know, goofy shit. All right. So I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's defining the problem and how we can solve it and how big of an opportunity is that, right? Like that's the problem with some of it. You're like, uh, people are thirsty and we're going to sell them water. And like three people are going to come buy water from us. Like, okay, well that's not a big enough opportunity. Right. Like it's, but it's breaking it down to the, that simple part of it. So the investor can understand. 
An example of leading for a need, leading with a need, and I'll use your water example, but Matt, did you know that millions of people are literally dying of thirst in the desert? And with that, there's a whole lot of problems. Our business has a solution that not only fixes that problem, it does so profitably. And I'm going to talk to you about what we need to make that happen together. Wow. That's we can, simple. That's right. We can save right. starv starving children along the way. I love it. And make money. Now Perfect. I have your attention. But this, but here's the thing is, is and you and I have sat through this because we've talked about this even during the series, like, and I, and Matt, you're, you're like me, you're frank and candid at certain times. But I mean, I've had people give me pitches and 15 minutes into it. And you've done, you've said the same oh, thing. Yeah. You're like, okay, what do you do? Like, what do you yeah. do? What exactly do you do? That's the number one problem okay, is and they, they don't explain it. They, it's all complicated, right? At the end of the day, you should be doing one or two things. Usually I'm going to help somebody else make more money or help them save money. Right. It's yeah. usually one of those two yeah. things. And then quickly, how do you do that? I mean, it should be simple. Now, here's the reality of it, Matt, is everyone wants to present the nobility of their solution and how it's going to change the world and whatever. Hey, folks, don't overvalue that fact compared to what the investment firm or company or investor wants, which is to make money. That's more important to them on most days than the solution you offer. And how is that going to occur? And I think people get that part of it wrong in a hurry. Like, yes, I don't want people dying of thirst out in the desert, but I'm here to do a job. I'm representing my, maybe my money or my firm's money or whatever. So how does that part make sense for us? That's what invest, that's the language that investors speak. And you're in the business of making yourself an investor's money. And then whatever you do is on many levels and in a realist point of view, secondary to that. Well, and at the end of the day, you're selling yourself, Right. You, you've got to you've got to get these people to believe in you. You know what what you're right. what you're doing is important, but you're the jockey and you're really selling yourself. So you got to come across as somebody who understands what they're doing, can simplify it, and knows how to solve the problem. And if all I hear from you is a bunch of confusion and complexity, like uh, every time I do talk to you in the future, is that what I'm going to get? And are you overcomplicating things? Do we know what we're doing? You know, you got to make it simple. We've published over 600 episodes of this podcast. And for those of you that have been listening for any amount of time, thank you, because you're the reason we keep doing this. Thank you for paying attention. But I mean, Matt, we've talked to so many investors, so many VCs, so many, all of it. And we've I, we got in the habit, I don't even know when, of asking them the question, do you like to bet on the jockey or the horse? You can only pick one. And the 100% answer is still the jockey. Yep. Because and, and that's the thing is, is you have to prove why you're a good writer. And some of that is going to be, well, it can be a lot of different things, you know, like, it, why are you an industry expert? What's your past experience? You have to show levels of integrity, communication, drive, resilience, like a whole lot of different things. And that is just as important to come out of the box with early. That's going to get me paying attention. Like Matt, in your case, I'll pitch on your behalf. Hi, my name is Matt Watson. I'm here to talk to you about the software platform that does some stuff. I'm going to give you a quick overview. I have had two successful exits and did so before I was 40 years old. Now, dude, that's going to get their attention. Yeah. I'm serious. They're going to pay They're attention to it. more likely to, to bet on the jockey. 
that's someone that's been there, done it, whatever. And, you know, like, I mean, that's just, that's how you can get someone's attention too. All right. Now, before we get into kind of a list on some tips that go with this, Matt, what are a couple of things when, when people have pitched to you that either drive you crazy, make you fall asleep or just say no? It's usually the complexity of it. You know, they, they usually over explain the problem they're trying to solve and how they solve it. And, and then a lot of times you just still don't understand it. You're like, okay, so what? There's this problem you're trying to solve it, but so what? Like, and then who's going to pay for this shit? That that that's always. And then the other part of it is the go-to-market strategy too, right? They're like, okay, this sounds great. Who's going to pay for it, and how are you going to get them to pay for it? That's usually a big missing component. A lot of times, or like, I've invented invented a better way to slice bread. I'm like, okay, well that's great, but why do they need it? Okay. How are they going? Yeah. So how, how are they going to so know what? you exist? Right. How do they know you exist? And why is that? Why is replacing your system of slicing bread anything that people will care about? Yeah, you know, for me, for me, yeah, I, I have many of the same things: the over-explanation, um, the the lack of of speed in the presentation is usually a, like if it's like don't make it a yawner, uh, don't read right off your PowerPoint. Like I can see what's on the screen, I can see it. You don't have to read it word for word. I know how to read. You know, like that kind of presentation stuff. I think, uh, you know, when people want to turn a pitch into a product demonstration, here's all the features that my software offers. And I'm like, God, I don't give a shit about that. Not right now. So for those of you listening, that's for a later stage. Look, the pitch, the very first pitch, much like a one pager or something, you're you're not, you're, you're unlikely, you're not getting a deal right there. Like the people that you're talking, they didn't come with their checkbook. That's not how this works. Your goal is to get this, to spark their interest and make them want to dive deeper into whatever it is that they want to dive deeper into, not to be force fed, whatever funnel you're trying to shove them down. I have to be honest, you know, if you've ever watched the show Shark Tank, I think they do a pretty good job of coaching those people on their, on their pitches, at least the short pitch you see, like, where it's like they get it down to like a 60 second pitch or whatever. And then of course the conversation goes wherever it goes, but you know, I think they usually do a pretty good job on that show of getting it down to like a 60 second pitch where the investor can understand. And and that's the thing is in, and afterward, any of the, whoever's in those seats that's watching or the, that's a potential investor, they then ask questions yeah. based on whatever it is that they want to know, how they want to know it, or to clarify things. And and so here's the thing is you have a finite amount of time to get these pitches done. There are some things that in places that will literally just say, hey, you got two minutes, go. And some are, you know, you don't want to burn up all your time, like going down a features list. And then also that's not even a good approach because you should be talking about the benefits that people get. So there's a quick, basic, quick outline. Who are you? What's the problem you're solving? How do you solve it? How are we going to make money doing it? Do you have any questions? Let's go. Do you care about anything? Do you care about anything else past that? Nope. Write me a check. I don't. I don't. Well, I meant as an investor. All right. So we've got a list of tips and things and we're, we're going to, we're going to either agree or disagree and, you know, give you a little more information. Now, before we get into those tips, just a quick reminder that today you can join our crowds investment in Zippin. It's, they're innovating the trillion dollar retail industry with checkout free technology. 
already deployed by the world's largest food service company, Zippin. That's Z-I-P-P-I-N, by the way, is ahead of the game as the retail world adopts the safety and efficiency of contactless payments. You can get in early on Zippin and other unique opportunities by going to ourcrowd.com forward slash hustle. And by the way, use that link and go check it out. Sign up. The account's free. Uh, and you know, part of why we want you to explore that is, I mean, we kind of want our crowd to keep paying us too, because we're pitching, I'm pitching there. Now I don't know what zipping is to be honest, but I was at the airport the other day and it was like a self checkout thing where I like put my soda and my chips like on a little counter and then I paid, like I didn't scan it or anything. It was like the super cool thing in the world. So, uh, if that's what zipping does, it's pretty damn cool. That was a nice catch, by the way. <laughs> I saw that. Matt got excited about contactless and, and, and automatic checkout and actually somehow shot his pen out of one hand up into the air. And because Matt is actually like a world-class athlete that no one ever realized, cat-like, like ninja-like, just reached up and grabbed it while continuing to talk. That Matt, that was impressive. I'm a pro. You know, if if you watch Startup Hustle TV, especially the early episodes, you can see Matt performing feats of athleticism, which are just mind-blowing, mind-blowing. All right. Anyway, ourcrowd.com forward slash hustle. So we're going to talk a little bit about like, you know, look, there's a lot of tips out there when it comes to giving pitches. But number one on this list is that your, your investment pitch really needs to be and should be no more than 10 minutes long at the longest. Do you agree or disagree with that, Matt? I think that's absolutely right. It's got to be super quick. Right. And I even think 10 minutes is kind of long. That, like I, mentioned I think earlier, 10 minutes you get, sounds you get... good with Q&A, but I, I think that first part of the pitch yeah. should be like two or three minutes. Like blaze right through it. And now here's the thing. If you do that and you travel through what I mentioned, who you are, the problem you solve, the your solution for doing it, your go-to-market strategy, um, and, you know, and then maybe what you need to get that done. And then you said like Q&A, like, because the thing is, is if you take forever to give your pitch, well, first off, everyone's just going to like be ready for you to stop talking and they're not going to have any questions. You love these people. Decided, they've already decided yeah. they like this or don't like this. Yep. Go quick. Go quick. Don't be afraid to move fast and break things along the way. And then like, here's the thing is answer the questions, but you have to ask. Like, I think one of the things that we really need to put in there is like making sure you ask and, and think of what some of those questions could be. And they can, they can be, Hey, Matt, we'll do a little role play here. Matt, it, I mean, is, is this, some, is this, an, is this opportunity something that you're interested in? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, but tell me more about your go-to-market strategy. And boom, there you go. And now you can revisit it. And now it's time to get a little more in depth. Our go-to-market strategy involves X, Y, Z. We've determined that these two approaches are the best. We're going to try them first. We do need to do a better job of determining what our customer acquisition cost is, what our, you know, and some of that, but those are, that's the approach. That's the focus. And in the event that those don't work, we're also going to try this other thing off to the yeah. side, but this is where we're going first. Well, and, a, I, B, I, and then, and then everything else. And I really like the second uh, tip on our list here about turning your pitch into a story, right? You could say, Hey, yeah. look, 
Today, I wanted to tell you about Matt DeCourcy. He works at Full Scale, and his job is to recruit employees. Currently, they're having a hard time recruiting. It costs them millions of dollars a year in revenue because they can't hire enough people to fill the positions. We can solve that problem. Here's how we solve that problem. We can boom, 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 right? And you just frame the story, right? You talk about who the problem, you know, relate it to a real person and a real problem and a real solution and, and make it into story. I think it's a great way to do it. And, and that and that can be exactly that, which also tells better. And I could even do the same thing. So three years ago, Matt, my business partner, Matt Watson, and I became business partners for this reason. We quickly, we then soon realized that there was a massive opportunity that we were really well positioned for. And it was right in front of us. And, you know, like we did this, we did that. We encountered these problems. We, we survived a pandemic and now we've gotten better here. We still suck here. You know, there's a couple of things. And, uh, and people love stories. Sport, and that sounds mm -hmm. a shitload better than reading some lines off a of PowerPoint. Please don't do that. Just please like, just send your fucking PowerPoint and let someone else read it. Don't, don't do that. And by the way, like I tell, I just literally gave this advice to someone yesterday, consider making a pitch video instead of a, yeah. a, a slide deck, like make a video and tell your story, like, and, and let it be you. And here's the thing is people want that raw, that it doesn't have to be like a studio production. The pandemic gave, put everyone on a, on an equal playing field for how, how raw your content can be. I was watching ESPN a month ago and it's clear everyone was at their own home, you know, and yep. that's the bar. And you have a, you, you probably have a 4k camera in your pocket that'll record well anyway, try it out. All right. Next tip, be laser focused, please be laser focused. What's your core message and how are you going to stay on point? And you might find yourself having to, refocus your pitch because distractions can occur. People may have questions in the middle of it. You need to be prepared to get things back on track and keep them on track in the event that stuff happens. It's, it's easy to go too deep in any one spot. Like you mentioned earlier, like if you're the product guy, you can be like 20 minutes later doing a product demo and talking about all the little details of the product, which nobody cares about, right? Like you gotta, you, you gotta have like an agenda and really stay focused and not get too deep into any one thing or you're going to lose them. So with that laser focus, at some point you're going to be explaining what your, what your product or service does. I don't care about all the features. I care about the benefits. Yep. Who needs this? People that, use, people, people that use full scale are, are almost always associated with rapidly growing companies that are having a hard time recruiting top software talent. We make it fast, easy, and affordable. There you go. Find me up. That's what we do. I mean, that's like what we do. And I, that's, what was that? One sentence, one long, longer sentence or two sentences max. I'm not great with grammar, Matt. And with that, go check out my books on Amazon. <laughs> All right. Can you spell entrepreneur today, Matt? Uh, yeah, it's on the screen. E-N-T-R-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. Wow. Congratulations. You're a cheater.
It's on the screen. You know screen. what's really funny? I, you know what I also realized? Didn't you misspell that last week? And we <laughs> have the exact same screen in front of us. But Matt, you're not reading right off the presentation. So I'm going to I'm gonna let that slide. I'm learning. Okay. You know, here's the next thing on our list. It's got a really good point. Why are you, why are you unique? Like, what's your differentiation? Like, why are you better, faster, or cheaper? What's your advantage? And that's Especially always other people that do what you do. And that's always a problem, right? You're like, well, if I want to or open a restaurant that sells hamburgers, like immediately people are like, well, how the hell are you going to compete with all these other people? And you've got to have a really damn good answer. And sometimes the answer is, and it's a great answer. Well, it's kind of an old industry and there's like these two industry leaders that everybody uses, but it's ripe for disruption. You know, like yeah, everybody uses taxis, but there's got to be a better way. I've got this idea for self-service. You open a mobile app and there's this new easy way to do it. And you're like, oh, shit, maybe you can do that. Right. There, and really no way that. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way that the founders of Uber or Lyft didn't like. I mean, think about that. You know, you're like, why? What? It's some trust me, they gave pitches to a ton of people that are like, why would anybody use this? I don't want to ride in a car with a stranger. Right. Well, why are you unique or different? Well, first off, we open up a whole world of entrepreneurship and gig economy to people that want that want it. But also, have you ever tried to call for a cab? Yeah. Like if you're not in an area where they aren't driving by, like you're going to wait 45 minutes if it even shows up. And then it's super, super expensive. It's better. Yeah. It's faster and it's cheaper. Now you I'm take in. something like reach uh, Stackify as an example, right? It's like, well, we compete with all these people. Well, why are you unique? Well, we target a certain industry or a, a large companies or small companies or a specific persona, right? Like it, and all of those are valid answers, but you've got to have an answer of like, why are you unique? You know, why isn't your competition going to kill you? You found your little, you know, spot, your little niche, you know, that's all you need to know. And know and be confident yeah. that, that you can do well in that niche. And you just you just dragged us right up to the next item on the list, which is having you need to have the ability to identify and quickly explain who your target audience is. Yep. So, do you, Matt, do you know at full scale that the majority of our clients are software companies that have between ten and hundred employees? Now, it, that explains the company that that you are running. Right. Well, and that's like at Netrio, right? Our average customer is like a billion dollar plus customer now that has like 10,000 servers or devices. So that cuts out like 90% of companies like, nope, don't care about them. Right now yeah, we have other so products it, that they can use like the Stackify products, but Netro's like core product they've always provided. It's a very limited, you know, segment they're after. So, so with that and still using FullScale as an example, which go to FullScale.io if you want to learn more about the software development services we offer. But so Matt, you know, at FullScale, like I, if I'm giving an investor pitch, I'd say, I wouldn't say most of, I'd say we have found that our fastest growing, longest lasting, most profitable clients are North American software companies that have between 10 and 100 employees. And then past that, I can even say all of which have either a CTO, a product or a project manager, or a lead developer locally. Yep. Meaning they don't outsource 100% of it. We help them build a team that complements the existing assets and resources they have. 
And, and look, that took 15 seconds to describe. And that's who we're chasing. That's yep. who we're trying to reach. And now the next item on the list is how do we intend to acquire these customers? This is your go-to-market strategy. Matt, what, I mean, talk, talk a little bit about that. Well, to your, to your point, right? You figure out like we, we want to do business with software companies that look and feel like this. Well, it's also easy to say, oh, we, we can service every software company there is. And there's like millions of software developers in the world and tens of thousands of companies, right? So then you got to narrow it down. It's like, how do, I, how do I find the exact ones that fit into my box of my perfect customer? And uh, that's always the trick is trying to figure out how to, how to find them. And, you know, one way that we did at Stackify was content marketing. Um, on the Netrio side, actually, the way we get most of our business is through partnerships. We have partners that deal with these kinds of people. And so through partnerships, they know how to find them. And however they do it. And they- it's going to be different. It's good. It could be different from, from you could be in the same industry and have two companies that have remarkably different approaches to totally this different. too. Yep. Absolutely. And that, yeah. And, and these, and that's and what makes this you should, and, but these, these things should also line up or be accentuated by your strengths, both as, a, as a founder and as a company. And, you know, like we would be lying if we said that startup hustle wasn't part of our go to market strategy with full scale, because it not only let people listening were, were interested in what we were saying, what we were doing. So were our guests. And then on top of it, we even took some other unique approaches because we wanted to build relationships with people. Part of our launch strategy was a thing that, that I dreamed up called sweet and greet. And we got local suites for, for concerts and sports. And we invited entrepreneurs to bring a guest and come hang out with us. It, it accelerated our ability to get to know the people that we wanted to do business with or just gave us an excuse to hang out and maybe get more info about what some of the needs were and whatever. There's a whole lot of different ways to get in front of your people. But like you mentioned, Matt, so you meant, you talked about the bread slicing startup, right? Okay. Do you know anybody that, that makes those decisions at wonder? Uh, no, but there's not very many and people that, that could go find them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Now, in some cases though, you have to be ready, ready to, okay. So if, all right, let's take, for example, solutions and healthcare. Those are big, big companies that might move slow and who the hell do you need to talk to that they could very, sometimes they could be very, you you could have difficulty explaining how you're going to get in front of those decision makers, how long it's going to take, how much it's going to cost and the relative speed at which they may make a decision. So some things are really simplistic, like we're back to the water startup. Okay. We have water and we're in the desert and people are walking by. That makes it easier. There you go. Okay, it, it's a but lot it, easier. But in than, the real world, another thing. But in the real world, like me at, at Netrio, I'm the chief technology officer. I've got a three year roadmap of really important shit to do. I honestly don't give a shit what you're trying to pitch me unless it's going to help me on any of the stuff from my three year roadmap. You're wasting my time. Yep. And and that's yep. the reality when you're talking to people at big enterprises is they've got a roadmap, they got things to do, they got lots of problems. And unless you can actually help them solve one of those really important problems, you're just adding to their list of shit to do that's in the way of them solving their real problems. That's and when you that's that's when you hear the word next. Yeah. 
And sometimes it's timing. Like you could call me back in three months and like, oh yeah, no, that thing is a big problem for me. It wasn't three months ago, but now it is. So Matt, what's a, what's, what's a revenue model? How are we going to charge for this thing? Are people going to pay, are we going to go sign up a million customers? They're going to pay us $7 a year like Netflix, or are we going to go find seven people that are going to pay a million dollars a year? Right? Like those are totally different business models. Do, do you ever consider or have you considered investing in a business that hadn't already defined this? It's hard. I mean, sometimes, well, like I verify as, as an example, right? Which was a really successful exit here in Kansas City. When Toby init- initially pitched me on the idea, he's like, okay, we got this this patent and we can scan, you know, the eye and it's a unique biometric. And, and it's like, what are you going to do with this? Like, well, we don't know exactly yet, but we think we could use it and healthcare and you know banking and but we don't really know how we're going to charge for it and and we'd have to integrate with all these other partners and there's a lot of stuff we don't know yet and i'm like i'm out immediately i'm like i don't i yeah i'm out because they didn't know exactly what the model was now it took them several years eventually they figured it out and they sold the company for 100 million dollars or whatever but as an investor i look at that and i'm like eh, this seems like a lot of risk because we don't really know how you're gonna make money and if you can't clarify this, if you can't explain it to an investor, that means you're very you're doing a poor job of explaining it to a potential buyer as well. Yeah, um, you don't know who your to, buyer back is. Back to that, that and, and or you're or it's too complicated. So someone gets to like you ever go to like you think you find some product online software is probably the easiest example, and then. And then you go to their here. Oh, I'll click this pricing link. And it just looks like a rat's nest of chaos. And you're like, "Uh, I'm out. And how much does this actually really cost? You know, like, I think the most successful products are simple and straightforward. And they can quickly explain like, the usage, like, okay, like we use Typeform to collect data places. And for $50 a month, I know I'm going to be able to get 10,000 forms filled out. Right. Straightforward. That's my most recent example of purchasing. Actually also Grammarly was another one. Our writers, our blog writers, we bought them subscriptions for Grammarly to speed things up. It was $11 a month per person. If we paid annually. Okay. So we made it real easy to figure it out. You may you may know, you know, we have this free product that was part of Stackify called Prefix, and we've rebuilt it. And we're actually having all these conversations right now about the revenue model. We're trying to figure out, is it still a free product? Is it free? And then there's a paid, a paid version um, that has additional functionality, or are we just going to go only paid? Or maybe it's free for private use, but it's paid for commercial use. Like there's all these different things. And then are you charging a hundred dollars a year or $200 a year? Like, uh, there's, I mean, it's complex. Like, you, you know, these things are difficult to figure out sometimes. And as an investor, with, you want to know, like, after, you guys know what you're doing. And if you don't, then if you don't, or it's very clear that you may not understand it or haven't had it defined, then in my opinion, you also just shot like a million holes in everything else that you may show me later. So Matt, how can you give me projections in a burn rate and a yeah. runway and like a possible exit strategy or any valuation or future cash flow needs if you can't even tell me you don't even know how you're bringing in money well as an investor i'd much rather put gas on the fire than give you money to go build a fire that you hope one day 
will grow. Will right? we'll like, require gas or two sticks yeah. to rub together or a lighter or a fuse or I don't know yeah. what I need. I just know that now I just know that I'm building a fire later. Yeah, Call me like back when much. you got that shit started. Call me back when you've got it. Cause well, that's when you oh, oh, wait, this is a good opportunity. These are things that VCs have said to me. You ready? Oh God. Okay. Get back to me when you, I love the idea. I love your energy. Get back to me when you have a little more traction. How am We've I going to get that before, but that's in, you're going to hear that at that point without a doubt, <laughs> without a doubt. How am I going to get my money back out of this thing when you don't even know how to get a customer to pay for it? Yep. So I'm saving this next question for you because this is truly your area of expertise. You know, as, as humans, we all have some kind of superpower and things that, that you know, you can do. I, I believe mine often genera generate around hype and promotion and stuff like that. Matt, you are Mr. Exit. So I will ask you, what is an exit strategy? Well, if you're going to take money from an investor, at some point in time, they want their money back or they expect some sort of dividends or something, right? Like they want their money back eventually, usually. And everybody wants to know what is the exit strategy, right? Okay, I give you a million dollars. You're going to run this business for five years or 10 years. How do I get my million dollars back, right? Now, if you were investing like in commercial real estate, it's clear like, okay, well, we'll sell the, we'll flip it. We'll sell it in 10 years, right? But if it's a software business, it's like, who are we going to sell this thing to? Who would want to buy this, right? And that's usually where the exit strategy comes in is trying to figure out who are, who would we sell this business to five years from now, 10 years from now. And by the time it's usually, by the way, it's usually a long time from now. It's not a short, a short time. It's a long time from now, which is another reason it's hard to raise capital because I got to give you my money and I may never get it back. Or if I do, I'm going to get back in a very long time from now. Um, because I don't and have it's any gonna liquidity. Exist, and it's, and it's going to exist in a very non-liquid way, right? right. Yeah, it's and, illiquid. You know, it's, it's what what could this be worth? Who could buy it? And if possible, potential comparable acquisitions. So in the, in the stock end too, yeah. So, so back to the Vin Solutions days, it was easy because there was, you know, three or four big industry players that always bought up all the companies. So it was always usually pretty easy. Like, oh, we'll sell the... ADP or Reynolds and Reynolds or Auto Trader or whatever, and and sure and behold, we did. Um, these days, it's more common to also just sell to random private equity. That's that's always an option these days too. But like on the StackFi side, it was always like, oh, we could sell to AWS because they need developer tools to bundle into their their you know Amazon server hosting and stuff, right? Or it could be another one of their competitors like Alibaba, Alibaba Cloud, right? They're virtually not un unknown in the U.S., but if they had a tool like ours, maybe it would help us or Usually our answer was like, there's dozens of companies that sell IT software and we would just be another product in their catalog, right? Um, and that's kind of where we ended up, where Netrio acquired us. They already had a product and we're a secondary product in their catalog at this point, basically. So to kind of snap on to what Matt said there, you know, there's, there's a few basic things that investors are generally looking for. Um, as Matt mentioned earlier, an, an industry that they're familiar with, a management team they believe in, an idea with a large market or compet or some competitive advantage that you have. Oh, a company with momentum or traction, and an idea that will generate cash flow. Rewind that and listen to it. 
I did it fast on purpose. So you can hit that backward 30 second thing and hear it again. Industry they're familiar with, a management team they believe in, an idea with a large market or your competitive advantage, a company with momentum or traction, or an idea that generates cash flow. Some things generate cash flow right away, and there are that's really attractive to a lot of investors because uh, you're you're not pitching an endless money pit that will always need money. All right, now we're going to breeze through a real quick. Uh, things you should never do. And then we're out, man. We'll be through part 19. So Matt, you want to go back and forth with me on this one? So first off, uh, there's some things you should never do when you pitch an investor. First, first off, uh, you know, like, hey, I want your commitment, but I don't have a plan. That's not good. All right. So what, next one is on the what's list. What's next? Lying or exaggerating your financials. Which we always what? know the financials are always going to be wrong. Like financial projections are always wrong, yeah. but you definitely don't want to lie or exaggerate about your existing financials or upcoming financials. Correct. Right, right. That's actually called fraud. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next, forecasting unprecedented growth without supporting evidence. Considering like what Matt said, like, look, no one thinks your your projections are going to be hundred uh, percent accurate. In fact, they expect you that they shouldn't. But when I look at some things and it's like six months in this hockey stick is like in the stratosphere and on the moon, I'm like, yeah, you're not, it's not happening. So I, I like this next one, Matt. This is, I, I hear, I hear this a lot. So you, you have a comment I, like, on that? I love this one stating you don't have any competitors. Now at the uh, Vin Solutions days, what I would always say is our competitors were everybody or nobody. Yeah. Cause it was like, we had so many products. It's like we competed with everybody, but we also competed with nobody because nobody else did all the things we did together. So that was my, uh, that was always our line. We compete with everybody and nobody. <laughs> if someone tells me they don't have any competitors, I, I, and I've heard this a bunch, I can usually find them within a couple moments oh, on yeah. Google. And then on, and then on top of that, that actually is not a selling point because at this point in 2021 and beyond, if you don't have any competition, I wonder if there's even a market for what you're selling. Like you better have a remarkably unique something because if you don't it's, have any competition, then there's not a market. Yeah. I mean, imagine being the first person to pitch to people that um, you should take your own house and list it online and let random people stay in it one night at a time. Right, like creating a new market. I don't have market, any competition like, for that. Like creating a new market for that for something like Airbnb is really difficult. Now, once the market gets big yeah. and going, it's easy to be part of the ecosystem. But when you're first to market, sometimes the things sound really crazy yeah. and it's hard to get traction. So, a lot of time being first to but market, people, is not but good. investors want that though. But yeah, but in, there's yeah. a lot of investors that like that, and they're like, okay, this there's there's some some room here. Okay. Claiming you don't have any gaps or blind spots in your business or your management team. Look, Matt, if there's only one thing that I had to say that I've learned at being an entrepreneur is that all businesses have problems. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you got next? Focusing only on the positives. I mean, it, there's it's no, great. But there's no problems. There's no problems in my business, Matt. Yeah, there's then no, why are you raising I, Everything capital? we do is... Per Cause I, well, that's a good question. That's a problem. Wait, I don't have enough money. Yeah, oh. I think I think it's I think it's key to be honest with the investors of like, hey, this is what we're good at. This is what we're bad at. This is what we need to improve. These are the things we need to figure out. Um, you think you got to be honest with all that 
because at the end of the day, the investors are going to smell otherwise. Like this guy's just full of shit. Yeah, and, and not, and not have trust in too, you. Is they're, well, they're going to die. At this point, I, whenever I talk to people about this, I advise everyone to be fully transparent and just own your problems. Because, yeah. uh, Matt, how long was the diligence process you went through on your latest acquisition? Uh, it was like six months. <laughs> did they uncover? Was there anything you could have hidden? No, no, no. It was extensive. And all right, so next though, it, while it's important to, to admit your shortcomings and and potentially talk about how you're gonna fix them, don't dwell on them. Just admit, you know, say, hey, look, we have some strengths and there's some areas that we need to improve upon. This is what they are, one, two, three. Looking forward to working with you to fix some of those and then move on. You we're don't have use, to like sit there and look, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna use some of the proceeds to uh, hire a new sales manager and we'll get that problem solved, whatever it is. Yep would you read the next slide here reading your slides yeah oh right dude i gotta be honest with you man that's like a freaking pet peeve that i don't get. i mean i literally want to like get up and just like shut someone's laptop it is really obnoxious. i can't even hear i can't even hear what you're saying when you're doing that, because the voice inside my head is yelling uh, to stop doing that. I'm like, I can read, asshole. That's what goes through my head. The next thing, and I think this is an important one, is your pitch really and your messaging and the vibe you give out shouldn't just only be that you care about the money. I mentioned earlier that that, that, that in the eyes of the investor, that's important over and above your solution in many cases. But if you seem like a money-grubbing whore, uh, it doesn't go well, you know, like, I just want your money, Matt. I, nothing else. I don't want it. Just give me your money. Just so give me your money. Like it doesn't, uh, it doesn't land well. It doesn't land well. All right. So once again, I want to give a big shout out to ourcrowd.com for helping us bring you to today's episode. Go to ourcrowd.com forward slash hustle. Stop by YouTube. Check out the show that we produce. They are a sponsor of that as well. And you can learn more about their investment platform and how accredited investors are using their platform to invest directly, easily, and early. Matt, we're going to go real fast here. What's the biggest takeaway or advice you can give from all this? I, I think you've, when you're early stage, you got to know what your niche is. You've got to be focused on, we have a product or we're solving a very specific problem for a very specific set of people. You're actually worse off if you're saying I can solve everybody's problems, right? Like that's like opening a restaurant and saying we serve all types of food, right? We sell Chinese food, Vietnamese food, Italian food, pizza, hot dogs, like we chicken nuggets. We do it all, right? And you're like, well, who would buy? Who would come here? Like it doesn't even make any sense, right? And um, why are you? How are you good at all? Yeah, you you got to be specific at one thing, and that makes it easy to sell your product to people and they can quickly identify like, oh, they, they solve my need. Where if you're like, oh, they sell every kind of food. I don't really know if I want to go there. They're, it, it's just weird. So be focused. That's my, that's my, uh, I, I think you nailed it there. And you know, I, you just reminded me of like really, really early in the series, you pointed out that you, you referenced a chicken restaurant that only makes chicken fingers raising yeah. cane. Yes. And, and look, that's real. That'd be really easy to explain. Hey, we are. And by the way, the chicken fingers, there are outstanding. They're they are outstanding. And That's if you all think they about, do. They better be good at it. And if you but think about that, chicken, that's the place you think of. 
that'd be a chicken fingers. Yeah. Like, don't come here because you want it on the bone. We don't make chicken nuggets. Chicken fingers, man. And we got them and we're good at it. And they are good at it. Now, I think just keep your, keep your, keep it brief. Get to the point. Leave time for questions. Explain who you are, the problem you solve, the way you solve it, how you're going to sell it, how people are getting paid. Keep it Focus simple. on that and breathe through it and then ask questions. And, but you got to be, pre- now look, do be prepared to answer the myriad things that oh, come yeah. in there. And I think that's my last advice. Look, show up ready to play, show up ready to play, come prepared. Like, like, especially if you're going to give a short, concise presentation, like be good at it. Like you only got, you only got five minutes, man. I need you to be good for five minutes. Okay. So Try And by the way, I'm kind of guilty like you. I don't practice a whole lot because nope. I kind of like the spontaneous side of things, but I am prepared. I am prepared to discuss the different things. There's a difference between being prepared and not, quote, practicing. And by the way, if, if you if you have a difficult time with public speaking, I mean, we've seen, Matt, we've seen people freeze up on stage. It is almost always because they're trying to memorize every single word that they say and when they get knocked off track just a little bit, they're off in the wilderness. So anyway, thanks again for joining us for another episode of Startup Hustle. Hoping your pitch goes well. I think that our team prepared a great amount of info and data. And I am going to rest assured that this was a good episode. See you next time, Matt. See you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.